0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, I want to thank Rabbi Shabtai for, uh, for arranging uh, this, another incredible learning opportunity for Art uh, for Zibor, for Boca, for Deerfield, for the broader Hamon Am. And what I wanted to do today is to learn a little bit with you. It's good to see everybody haven't had the chance to see a lot of you over the last number of weeks. It's good to see everybody. Um, I, what I wanted to do is perhaps learn a little bit about the Mitzvah of Sira Sa'omer, uh, to begin with a brief uh, introduction of uh, an interesting machlokas we've shown him that pertains to uh, exactly what the level of obligation is nowadays, and then to transition and to, of course, discuss something on a machshava level of understanding what it is, the avodah of Svirah Saomer, particularly what I believe to be in a very timely, uh, very appropriate manner of uh, of the current situation that we are finding ourselves in. So we know that there is a mitzvah counting Svirah Saomer, and there is a major machlokas Rishonim between what I would call the Rove Rishonim, the Rambam, and Rabbeinu Yerucham, as to what exactly the mitzvah of Svirah Saomer is nowadays. Most Rishonim at this point uh, understood, understand, it's brought down in the Minchas Chinuch on the mitzvah of Sivah Omer, mitzvah Shin Vav, that the mitzvah of Sivah Omer nowadays is a mitzvah midrabanon. Why is it a mitzvah midrabanan? Because if you take a look at the Psukim in Parshas Emor, you will notice that it seems, based on the Psukim that the mitzvah is contingent on the Korban Omer. We begin counting the day that we will begin to bring the Korban Omer, and now that unfortunately, by Hussein Arabim, we don't yet have the rebuilding of the base HaMikdash, although hopefully speedily in our days, since there is no Korban Omer, there's no catalyst, there's no impetus to drive our obligation of Svir Omer. And so while we'll continue to count Svir Omer, and we'll continue to count it with a bracha, no problem with making Asher of B'Mitzvot Seh Vitzivanu, because we all know that Vitzivanu could be from Lossosser, that, uh, that when Chazal instructed us to do a mitzvah, we also can say Vitzivanu by listening to the Rabbis Chazal, or also listening to the Torah itself. And uh, Roh Rishonim understand that because there's no Korban Omer anymore, uh, there is no biblical, there is no De'oraisa obligation to count the Omer. The Rambam, on the other hand, uh, in Hilchis Tmidim Musafin, tells us that the mitzvah Svirasa Omer is a mitzvah De'oraisa, even b'zman There is a biblical obligation to count Svirasa Omer, irrespective of that which the other Rishonim are concerned about when it comes to the Korban Omer. What's the savara to the Rambam? What is the Rambam thinking? It seems to be a pretty compelling argument from Rov Rishonin, from the majority of the Rishonim out there, that if there's no Korban Omer, and the Omer is the ultimate catalyst for counting, so what could the Rambam be thinking and suggesting that irrespective, independent of the Korban Omer, one should still be obligated to count Tsevras HaOmer mid Deo So it's possible to suggest, I haven't seen this anywhere, but it seems that this is the Pshat, it's possible to suggest that the Korban Omer, when the Torah includes the obligation to bring the Korban Omer, it isn't suggesting necessarily that that is the way in which we are going to be obligated to midah In other words, it's not that without a Korban Omer, we're only obligated to and with the Korban Omer, that's what's going to start this context, this time frame, for us to be obligated to midah is possible, and this is perhaps what the Rambam believes, um, is that perhaps um, that the Korban Omer is simply giving us a time context, If you want to know when the myths of Svirasa Omer begins, it begins around the time when the Korban Omer would have been brought. So when we had a Beisat Mikdash, Yutaka would bring the Karban Omer. But even if you wouldn't have a Beis HaMikdash, the Torah isn't saying that without the Carbon Omer, there's no Mitzvah Dol With the Carbon Omer, that's the impetus for being able to count mid Risa. But rather, the Torah is giving us the parameters. If you want to know when we should begin counting, when we should begin counting is when the carbon Omer is brought, which is on the second day of Pesach. You have a carbon Omer, great. And if you don't have a carbon Omer, at least it's giving us the time frame in which we should begin counting, even on the Dol level. So that's, uh, those are the two extreme opinions that are brought down in the midrash Chinuch, that you have the Maryam HaKomas that I shared with you, where there are, according to the majority of the opinions, which suggest that without the carbonomers serving as its catalyst, as its impetus, there is no mitzvah de'oraisa to count, and unfortunately, because we don't have a base amygdash, all we can do is fulfill the mitzvah on a dura level, or on the opposite extreme, the Rambam, who seems to say that, nope. The Korban Omer is even still to, uh, the Omer is still today a Dol Risa Mitzvah. We are obligated to count 49 days on a Dol Risa level. I. what about the Korban Omer? The Korban Omer is simply giving us a context. It's giving us a time frame for which when the obligation would descend upon us. And that's going to be on the second day of Pesach. However, there's a fascinating, fascinating Rabino Yerucha actually quoting the footnotes of the, the relatively new Minchas Chinuch in which he actually has a hybrid opinion. He takes both sides concurrently. And he suggests that counting of the days is mida'oraisa, however, counting the weeks is mida'oraisa. Where in the world is Rabbeinu Yerucham getting this from? What is he base such a sheet on that you could split this mitzvah somehow to suggest that I'll take a little bit from the Rov Rishonim who says it's And I'll take a little bit from the Rambam who says it's de'oraisa. So Rabbeinu Yerucham says, look at the Poshet Peshat of the Pesukit. If you look at the Pashat shot of the Pesukim, you'll take notice of a distinction between the, the element, the component of the mitzvah that is the days, and the element of the component that is the week. The Pashat says in Pashat Amor, so You have to count from after the first day of Pesach. If you will notice, says Rabbeinu Yerucha, that the, the, the part of the mitzvah that is mentioned in the same Pasuk as the Korban Omer is counting of the weeks. Says Yerucham, it could be that since the counting of the weeks, sheva HaBasos, Timimos, T'Iyena, is in the same Pasuk as bringing the Korban Omer, then perhaps that element of the mitzvah is contingent on Havas HaKorban. That's contingent dependent on bringing the sacrifice on the second day of Pesach. And if you don't have the opportunity like we said before, we're still diving, but if we don't have the opportunity to bring the Karban Omer and the counting of the weeks is dependent because it's mentioned in the same Pasuk as bringing the Karban Omer, says Rabbeinu Yerucham, that component of the Mitzvah is only going to be midrabanah. However, if you look at the subsequent Pasuk, the very next Pasuk, and then V'ikravta Mincha chachadash and it tells you to bring another Karban on Shavuos. If you look in that Pasuk, so that Pasuk only mentions the obligation to count 50 days. It doesn't say that the time in which we begin counting is contingent or dependent on bringing the carbon Omer. It says you count 50 days from Pesach until Shavuos. Says Rabbeinu Yerucham, it could be that therefore the counting of the days which the Torah itself does not formally connect to the carbon Omer, that part of the mitzvah is going to be Dal Raisa. The part of the mitzvah said in the previous pasuk, in which it's dependent on the Korban Omer, that one, that element could be, in fact, Midirah So in summary, we have fascinating three different shittos, very creatively, three different shittos in the Rishonim, as to how to understand the level of obligation that is imposed upon us, the privilege that we have of Svirasa Omer. Is it like Rov Rishonim will understand carte blanche across the board, the mitzvah of counting the weeks? The mix of the counting the days is dependent on the carbon omer. No carbon omer, no mitzvah daoraisa count, and so unfortunately the li- we're limited in our ability to be makayim this mitzvah, limited to a durabanan level. Or do we say like the Rambam, which we've mentioned before, it's all daoraisa counting the weeks. Counting the days is Del Reisah. I, it says the carbon Omer. Yeah, that's just to tell us when to start counting. We're not going to start counting in Sukkis. And we're not going to start counting sometime in the summer. We're going to start counting the second day of Pesach, which happens to be the time in which we are being the carbon Omer. Or the hybrid opinion, which is Rabbeinu Yerucham, who says, well, let's take a look at the Peshach Peshach of the Pesukim. The first Pesach says that you're to count shevish Abbasos Timimos Tihiena. And it says contingent, dependent on bringing the Korban Omer. Okay, that part of the mitzvah is going to be Dera We don't have a Korban Omer anymore. So we're not going to be able to count the seven weeks anymore, unfortunately, on Do Raisa level. However, if you look at the next pasuk, which tells us that we are to count the 50 days, there's no mention there of the Korban Omer. That's not the catalyst. That's not the impetus for our ability to be able to fulfill this mitzvah. And so therefore, that part of the mitzvah of counting the days, Tisperuch HaMishim Yom, could in fact be me do Three-way machlok is interestingly understood by the various Rishonim. But what I wanted to share with you today is uh, two approaches into understanding what exactly is the objective, what the goal is of Svirasa haomer. What's the Avoda? What should we be thinking about? What should we be concentrating on? What is it that we're supposed to be focusing on during this time period? So the Sefer HaTenoth very famously quotes for us what the root of the mitzvah is, why we count, and what our objective is, but it kind of leaves us a little bit hanging, kind of leaves us a little bit incomplete, and hopefully we'll bring another approach to fill in the gaps. So he sa- essentially says as follows that the shoris, the source of this mitzvah, mitzvah, mitzvah shin vav, the whole purpose of being liberated from rhyme, of course, is to receive the Torah. And since... The whole purpose, the whole objective of being liberated from Mitzrayim is to be the Avadim of Akkadish Baruch, to be Mikabo, the Torah. So we start to count immediately after we've been liberated. I'm going to read you the words because I can't articulate things as well as the Sefer could, and you'll bear with me. The whole purpose, the focus, the fundamental reason why we've left Egypt is ultimately to receive the Torah. Makes sense that we're going to count from Pesach until the receiving of the Torah. Laharos bin afshino to show ourselves. Ha the tremendous, intense desire. Uh, the, the 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 most auspicious, the most honorable day in which we marry, so to speak. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in which we recieve the Torah from Hakadosh and he compares it, he brings an analogy, like a servant who yearns for shade, the Jew, after being liberated from Mitzrayim, yearns for the Torah. And the slave, he, he d- d- counts down every day, waiting for that day that he ultimately could be liberated. Because when a person counts, it shows the excitement. It shows the enthusiasm, the exuberance towards that day. So he is left with a question. We all know. right? I'll give you the following uh, personal anecdote. When I got engaged, so I used to, I learned in yeshiva, I was learning in yeshiva at the time in Kolel, and I was uh, sitting next to a friend of mine, and every day we walked into She'er and we crossed off another day till we were getting married, right? You're counting down the minutes. You're counting down the days to the most exciting day of your life. We're getting married to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And yet, the Sefer HaChinuch is left with a question. If it's all about demonstrating and displaying this excitement about receiving the Torah, so we should count how many days are left. Don't count how many days have passed. We should be counting how many days are left. 49, 48, 47, 46... 10, 9, I remember the day when you got married to Mirza and you, you felt this tremendous excitement, you crossed it off on the calendar. Why do we count how many days have passed? So he says, So the Sevra attempts to uh, give one suggestion. The Savior Chinoch says it's true. The reason why we're counting is to displace, to demonstrate, is to inculcate within ourselves that tremendous chifetz, that cheshek, that desire for receiving the Torah. It's true. But if we would start counting how many days are left at the very beginning, we'd be discouraged very quickly. 49 days? That is too many days. That's not going to intensify our excitement for receiving the Torah. If anything, we're going to say, Oh my gosh, it's so far away, I can't even think about it. And so therefore he says, we'll count how many days have passed. So we feel, okay, we got a couple of days behind us already. You know, you started me 3 4 months ago, you start getting a couple of blots under your belt, you start to feel a little bit of accomplishment and you can move forward. If you started counting already how many days are remaining, you would defeat the purpose says the sefer al of why of why we are counting, of why we are counting to begin with. I says the sefer al So why don't we switch in the middle? Good, so the first half we will count how many days have passed. And when we get closer, we'll switch to how many days have left. And he seems to say that he's concerned um, that we don't want to change what he calls the Matbeah HaCheshbon. You don't want to start messing around. First, you started counting one way. Now you're going to start counting a different way. It's going to start confusing people. People are not going to get the whole gist of what we're trying to accomplish. So because of the concern the Sefer articulates, of not wanting people to be deflated from the get-go, we'll count how many days have passed, we won't switch in the middle, but all of it is about demonstrating our excitement towards the receiving of the Torah. Nothing against the Sefer HaKinuch, but you feel a little bit empty. You feel like there's more to the story, maybe, perhaps, as to why it is we count how many days have passed and not how many days are left. In other words, is there something more to what the Torah had in mind as it relates to the Avodah Sfirah Saomer that we begin on the second day of Pesach? Is there more to the story that we need to be mindful of, we need to be aware of, and so therefore we can focus on when it comes to the Avodah of, of, of uh, Sfirah Saomer? So I wanted to share with you, um, very appropriate for the time of year, an incredible insight from M'shiv David Pinkis, Zatzal, those who are not familiar with uh, Rav Pincus, he was an incredible, incredible orator. Tremendous, tremendous speaker. Real abal of our time. Um, he was the Rav in Of Hakim. I just read recently he was sent by the stipler in Rav Shach to open up the town of Of Hakim and he Shiva in the town. Tremendous, tremendous speaker. He was actually an American-born Rav. He was an Israel uh, product and made Aliyah. And was a tremendous, tremendous speaker. And unfortunately, I believe on Yud Beis or Yud, I think Yud base Nissan, a couple of days before uh, before Pesach, he had been giving a shear somewhere. He, his wife, and his daughter were, were at the shir. And on the way back from the shear, he was killed in a car accident. And so was his wife, and so was his daughter. And he uh, is 20th yard sale was just a few days ago. And uh, just to give you an idea of the tremendous Torah and what he had shared with the world. In the short time that he was in this world, I think he passed around 55, 56 years old, after he died they took all the cassette tapes, all of his recordings, and they started to churn out his sfarim. There's already like 30, 40 sfarim just based on his shiurim that he gave over his time in this world. And in his commentary on uh, the holiday of Pesach, Sfirah Soma and Shavuos, he quotes this question of uh, the Sefer HaChinuch. He asks, so what's going on over here? Why do we count how many days have passed? Why don't we count how many days are left? The countdown. And he wants to suggest an entirely different answer based on an insight from Rav Aaron Cutler in Chumash. Rav Aaron Cutler quotes the Pasuk in Breshis when Yaakov meets Rachel and Yaakov decides he wants to marry Rachel and he uh, has a meeting with his future father-in-law. He doesn't hold a candle to my shver. He's, uh, he, he, you know, he, he was not exactly the most trustworthy of individuals. And uh, Lavan says, listen, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to work for seven years. You're going to have to work for seven years. And the Torah, the Torah describes the seven year waiting period that Yaakov had for his beloved with a, the most, what I would consider to be bizarre, totally unexpected, very puzzling and very enigmatic way to describe, in such a short uh, description, this experience than Yaakov. And I don't know, I would have expected, here it is, Yaakov's waiting seven years to marry Rachel. Right, I just mentioned to you, I waited during my engagement, we cut off every day, we scratched off every day, it felt like an eternity. It wasn't seven years, it was some months. Seven years, seven years to wait. And yet, what does the Torah describe? Listen to these words. yil be'enav. Yaakov Avinu felt As though it was just but a few days But a few days? That's all Yaakov felt? He was in love with Rachel He then got tricked And he was going to ultimately marry Leah Just a few days? It should have said it it was It was eternal It couldn't wait anymore It was just like a few days? What's Pshat? What's Pshat? So if Aaron Cutler, Zatzal quotes the following muscle to be able to provide some insight into exactly why Yaakov was able to feel this way. And he says as follows. He says, you know, if I were to come to any one of you and I would say in a hundred days from now, I'm going to write you out a check for a million dollars. I'm going to write you out a check for a million dollars. And now for the next hundred days... You're gonna wait for this check to come in the mail. You know it can't come before the 100-day period has expired, and you're gonna wait there day after day. It's gonna feel like an eternity. You're gonna twiddle your thumbs. You're not gonna know what to do with your time. You're gonna be simply waiting for that 100th day or the 101st day when the mailman delivers that check to you. It's going to feel like forever. But says Reverend Cutler, what happens if I said to you the following? I'm gonna give you a job every day for the next 100 days. And for every day that you achieve the goal of that job, at 5 p.m., I'm gonna write you out a check for $10,000. And every day that you complete what I've asked you to do, you're gonna get another $10,000 check. So that if you achieve all of the different assignments that I've given to you, it will culminate on day 100, and you will have totaled $1 million. How's a person gonna feel during those 100 days? That person's going to be schwitzen. That person's not going to have enough time in the day because he knows if he doesn't achieve his assignment from that day, it's all over. He won't be able to ultimately fulfill his, his ultimate goal of getting that million dollars. Every day is going to feel like he doesn't have enough time. All of a sudden he's going to turn around. It's going to be 3 o'clock and he's not even halfway done. It's going to be 4 o'clock. He's only got 60 minutes left and he's going to be feverishly trying to go ahead and achieve each goal as if there's never going to be enough time. Says Rabbi Aaron Cutler's Atzal, Such a fantastic, incredibly inspiring insight. You want to know why Yaakov Avinu felt as though it was simply just yemei Achadim? Just like a few days? Because Yaakov Avinu understood something that we didn't understand. You see, Yaakov Avinu understood he was the last of the Avos. Yaakov was going to be the progenitor. He was going to be the one who was going to father the Shvatim. That is not a small task. That is a tremendous responsibility. What an achrayas. You're going to be the father of the 12 shifteka. I have to prepare. I can't just marry women and have children and expect that I'm somehow going to have the capabilities and capacities to educate them the proper way, to understand what each one of them needs, to allow their potential and the best versions of themselves to come to fruition. I need to take care of myself first. I've got to learn. I've got to build myself up. I've got to build within myself. I've got to understand what my goals are. I've got to achieve those goals. When a person feels as though he's constantly growing, he doesn't feel like time is just standing still and he's twiddling his thumbs. He feels like it's Yemei Achadim. It's just a few days. There wasn't enough time in the day for Yaakov to be able to achieve everything he needed to achieve. The days, the weeks, the months, the years were just but a few days in the eyes of Yaakov. Because he understood that before he was going to raise the Shifte Ka, he had to be able to develop within himself the capacities to be able to do so. And so for Yaakov, Cesar of Kotler, Satal, that's why it felt like just a few days. Because for him, it wasn't about twiddling his thumbs. It wasn't just waiting around, you know, wandering around aimlessly, hoping the day would finally come where he could marry his beloved. But he understood the avoda that was ahead of him, and he understood what he needed to do says Rapinkus, listen so carefully, it's unbelievable. Now we can understand why we count how many days have passed and not how many days are left. Because if you're going to be one of those Jews who's just waiting for Kabbalah Satorah, you're right. We might as well count down how many days are left. But if you're one of those people who understand that Sfirah Saomer isn't about how many days are left, but it's building it's building within ourselves one brick up top of the other brick on top of the other brick so that ultimately we could be a kliqibble. We can be an appropriate receptacle to be Mechabo the Torah. Well, now you understand it's not about how many days are left, but it's what am I building on? What did I accomplish yesterday? What did I accomplish the day before? And what did I accomplish the day before that? It's understanding that I've got to build. I'm not waiting to be Mechabo the Torah. I'm running to be Mechabo the Torah based on that which I'm trying to build within myself. And that says, Rav Pichus is perhaps why we don't count how many days remain as if we're just waiting around aimlessly, hoping that the Kabbalah Sator will just arrive already, but instead, instead understanding that there's an Avodah to Tzvirah Omer, that we have to build within ourselves, predicated in our previous days, while looking ahead to the next day in order to ultimately serve as the Te'kibble, in order to ultimately serve as a recept- receptacle to be a the Torah. I couldn't think of a more appropriate message as we are all quarantined in our homes. And uh, oftentimes we have that Yitzhara screaming in our ear, we're just serrated around whenever the lift is going to lift, whenever we're going to be let out of our homes, we should just twiddle our thumbs until then. We should just wait for the time in which we'll ultimately be, so to speak, liberated. The Rav Kotler and Rav Pinkus is conveying, communicating to us such a powerful message. There's so much avodah we could be doing. There's so much avodah, there's so much we could be doing in terms of our learning, in terms of our growth as Ben M'dos Torah, in terms of building within ourselves so that we can be that Kli Kibble. We have to understand it's not about how many days we're waiting till it ends, but what can we build on to, be, to ultimately house the Shekhin. I made a joke with my in laws today that uh, my house is now the base me- Medrash, it's the base Haknesses, all of our homes are the Mipdash Ma'at. All of our homes are what Hakadosh Baruch Hu had in mind when He said the words. The Asuli Mikdash Veshachanti Bisocham, and the Nefesh Shachaim Rebbeim famously tells us, why does it say Veshachanti Bisocham? It should say Veshachanti Bisocho. In it, what do you mean? In them? And the answer is, is because it's an, a, a responsibility. It's incumbent upon all of us to be able to house the Shechina within us. There's no time I can think of. I'm not such an old person. There's no time I can think of in which building the Mikdash Ma'at is more appropriate than the times we're living in right now. It's on us to build the Mikdash Ma'at, to be able to ensure that the language in our home, that the Torah in our home, that the Midos in our home, are one that can house that Shekinah, to understand that we are not just waiting to be liberated, but we're building towards something. We're building ourselves, we're building within each other, we're building within our children to ultimately be makabal the Torah in just a few short weeks. And Amir if we continue to focus not on just waiting around, aimlessly wandering around, hoping that the, the end will come, but instead focus on our growth, our development, understanding what we need to build within ourselves, then Amir will be Zoha to not only have the Mikdash Me'at that we are all experiencing within our homes, but we'll have the Mikdash, the Beis Mikdash, with the Gilay Shechina Ad Gol Tzedek, speeding our days in here of Yamein Omein. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share Torah with you and a good night to all.